Yankee Swap by Amy Durazio, narrated by Sarah Jane Rose and Ian Pringle. Snow. Darcy frowned as he pushed through the revolving door, not pleased to see the arrival of the white stuff, which did nothing but snarl up the already terrible traffic and make the sidewalks a mushy mess. He wondered how much would accumulate and if it would affect Georgiana's travel home from college. Looking up, he saw Bingley coming down the sidewalk. Bingley raised his arm to wave at him, and Darcy nodded at the same time as he reached for his phone, deciding he should talk to Georgiana as soon as possible and tell her he would prefer she came down on the train rather than catch a ride with her dorm mate. I thought we were meeting at the diner, he said absently to Bingley as he began to type his message. More fun to walk together, said Bingley. A little out of your way, though. Think this is going to accumulate? Ah, I needed a little walk, and nah, probably no more than an inch or so. Darcy tapped another sentence, then paused. In the case of an ice storm, what's safer, a car or train? Um, train, I guess. You ever play Yankee Swap, Darcy? Yankee Swap? Darcy looked down at his old messages, searching out the name of the person Georgiana travelled with, some girl called Ava Grantley. Sounded like a bad driver. He looked up, squinting at the sky. Was it already coming down harder? Yeah, Yankee Swap. Everyone puts a present in, you pick a present out, people could steal it from you. I can't say I've had the pleasure. Darcy replied, tapping away as the men continued their slow progress down the sidewalk. So, the presents are... they aren't expensive. Like, gag gifts, really. Something to make people laugh. Nothing over fifteen to twenty dollars, you know? Everyone throws something in. You don't have anything, you can't play. No big deal. But it's a lot of fun. Makes sense, Darcy pressed send. The trouble with the holidays is that they come at the most abysmal time of year but no one wants to miss their visit to Grandma, so you have twice as many people on the roads, complicated further by horrible weather. Yeah, nothing worse than snow at Christmas time, Bingley rolled his eyes. So, I'm at Jane's aunt's house, and suddenly I remember I forgot my Yankee Swap gift, which totally bummed me out because I love Yankee Swap. I had such a good one too, a real Mr. Potato Head. I took a potato and stapled an actual carrot to it. Then, Darcy tuned him out. The last thing he wanted to hear about was some party at Karen Phillips' house because Karen Phillips was the aunt of Elizabeth Bennet and Elizabeth Bennet hated him. He had tried for a little while to hate her back, but the fact that he loved her kept getting in the way. Bingley had finished talking and was staring at Darcy expecting a reply, or so it seemed. Darcy said, Ah, sure, real potato. Sounds hilarious. But I left it at home, so obviously I had to come up with something else instead, Bingley explained in a relieved voice. I wrote something and put it in a plain envelope. The way they play it, you don't open the presents until the very end, so the better your present is wrapped, the more likely it is that people want it. So mine was just a slip of paper in an envelope, didn't look like much of anything at all. I planned to take it myself during one of the stealing rounds. Ah, said Darcy. Don't you wonder what my present was? Darcy stifled a sigh. Okay, what was your present? It was a... a romantic date. I specified the romantic part so it would be funnier when I opened it. A romantic date? Darcy flicked away the snow which had accumulated on the lapel of his coat. With increased enthusiasm, Bingley said, Is there anything more romantic than New York City at the holidays? Carriage ride in Central Park, blanket built for one, mulled wine and holiday lights. You know what I mean? Sounds charming. So you'd win your own romantic date and then... Bingley laughed, a little too loud and too hearty. No, it wasn't a date with me. Darcy felt the prickles of discomfort in his gut that always resulted from one of Bingley's escapades. 
Who was the date with then? It was a date with, well, with you. Darcy's jaw dropped and he stopped in his tracks. Ah, Bingley, I never know whether to laugh at you or punch you. So you forgot your potato and then came to your second choice, me. It was me or the potato. Bingley chuckled awkwardly. I forgot the potato. You were a spur-of-the-moment idea. And by the way, a date with me is a gag gift? This is your opinion of me. Oh, hey, I don't have a potato, so I'll throw in a date with Darcy. You can forget me taking you out on a date. Or are you taking me out? Because if so, I have a list of demands. Come on, let's walk. I'm getting cold. Bingley still sounded very nervous, but Darcy acquiesced, strolling down the sidewalk. As it turns out, I wasn't able to take my gift. What? What do you mean? They had arrived at the diner by then, entering to the smell of bacon and coffee. It was a place they met often, and Darcy instinctively moved to their usual booth at the back of the dining room. The two men slid in just as the waitress, a short, swarthy Greek woman, shouted something at them about coffee. Moments later, it arrived, hot and steaming and smelling much better than anything any barista could have made. Darcy inhaled gratefully, still shaking off the cold. OK, so you couldn't take your gift. Why not? So, Jane was wearing this headband, like a velvety headband, and it had antlers on it and mistletoe. It was on these little springs, and they would bounce around. I said she had to kiss me under the mistletoe, and then we... Darcy sighed. So you were too busy canoodling with Jane to remember that your idea of a gag gift is pimping me out. Not exactly like that. How is it not like that? You sold me like a potato, Bingley. Bingley laughed, his eyes moving around and carefully avoiding eye contact with Darcy. Well, if you put it that way, I guess I did pimp you out a little, but it was unintentional, I swear. Anyway, I'll pay for the whole thing, so don't worry about that. Yes, Darcy said dryly. The finances of the date are obviously at the forefront of my concerns. Who? won me. If you say your sister, forget it, I'm not going. I'll give her a potato to make it up to her. No, Caroline wasn't even there, Bingley chewed his lip a second before saying. You might think it's worse, though. Darcy groaned loudly enough that the elderly couple at the table nearest them looked at him in alarm, and the waitress came stomping over to inquire if everything was good. We don't have any food yet, Darcy reminded her, and she stomped off, muttering something about Joe Jr. calling in sick. Who won me? Darcy demanded. I think, said Bingley, if you really think about it, this could be seen as an opportunity. Her name, Bingley? Or did you set me up with a man? No, I didn't set you up with another man, Bingley forced a chuckle. The winner of the date was Elizabeth Bennet. Darcy exhaled in a whoosh and found himself sinking back against the cracked vinyl seat of the banquette. The sounds of the busy diner, the clinking of plates and utensils, the squeak of shoes on the old linoleum floor all seemed to die immediately, and he heard nothing but the sound of his own pounding heart. For a few minutes, he couldn't say anything, his mind whirling with thoughts and implications. Bingley leaned over the table. I know you don't really get along. To be honest, I was surprised that she agreed to do it. She agreed. She said she'd go out with me. That sounded too eager, Darcy. Calm down. She seemed a little shocked when she opened it, just sort of looked at it for a lot longer than it would take to read it. So I went over and said if she didn't want to do it, you'd give her a potato instead. Darcy chuckled weakly. No, I said I'd take her out. Bingley cleared his throat. With Jane, I mean, all three of us. But she said no, that if you agreed to it, she was willing. So I guess I'm not the last man in the world she'd ever go out with. Bingley is, 
It was hard to contain the giddy smile that arose at that thought. He turned his head quickly to avoid Bingley's notice. Fine, I'll go, he said, making sure he sounded sufficiently grumpy. Super! I have one of my admins, Nicola, setting things up. Nicola? The aspiring romance novelist who thinks of Hallmark movies as research? Who else? Bingley smiled, easy and relieved now. I needed an expert. Charlotte FaceTimed her just as panic was beginning to set in. Is that what you're wearing? she asked in place of hello. I know, Elizabeth Bennet wailed as she turned to look at herself in the mirror. I honestly hate every single thing in my closet. What happened to my real clothes? All the cool, fashionable stuff? I think you regret a dress, Charlotte replied in her usual calmly pragmatic way. First, because it's freezing, and second, because you might end up rock climbing, and then what? Rock climbing? Elizabeth started flipping through the clothing in her closet for what seemed like the millionth time. Let's hope not. I'm just saying you should try to be comfortable. It won't be comfortable regardless, Elizabeth said. And it's Darcy. Might at least try to look the part of girl dating billionaire. I think the fact that you're different is why he loves you. Not this again. He doesn't love me. He said he did. He stares at you as if he does. Oh, let's not rehash all this. Help me get dressed. With Charlotte's help, they found something Elizabeth prayed would work. Skinny jeans with a light grey sweater and a furry vest. Just in time, she thought, hearing the sound of her buzzer as she finished zipping her boots. She went to the intercom. Hi, um, Darcy? Hi, Elizabeth. How does this work? Do you buzz me in? He's probably never been in a building without a doorman before. Give me two minutes. I'll be right down. I don't mind coming up. No, really. Be there in a minute. She grabbed her scarf and gloves, zipped up her boots and ran out the door, finding him still standing on the step. He was, as always, dressed to perfection. His jeans and sweater somehow looking like they were made for him. A Louis Vuitton scarf tossed just so around his neck and a peevish expression on his face. I would have come up to get you. No need, she said cheerfully. Here I am. It seems rather an inauspicious way to begin a date, he said. It's the New York equivalent of pulling up in the driveway and honking my horn. The driver had opened the door for her, so she slid into the car. As soon as Darcy was inside as well, she said, It really doesn't matter. A gentleman should pick his date up at the door, Darcy insisted as the car pulled away from the curb in the smooth and heavy way that expensive cars do. And so you did. Only it was the door to the building. I was ready and I came down. So what's the harm? In any case, I must say, I was promised a romantic date and here we are, already arguing. My apologies. In lieu of a reply, she turned her head to stare out the window. It was how it generally went with them. Friction and discord just seemed to crop up between them no matter what. This is why it would never work between us. She bit her lip, willing away the odd swell of disappointment that rose with that thought. Why had she thought for even an instant that anything could be different between them? I don't want to argue with you, she said quickly. My apologies. I should have waited for you to come up. I don't care about that, he said. Not really, but you, you've accused me of ungentlemanly behaviour before and I didn't want you to think... She sighed, leaning her head back against the leather of the headrest. That's not why I said that. I know it's not, he said. I know it's because of... because of... George Wickham, she said, straightening and turning to face him. Hearsay, I know and I've already decided to put everything he said out of my head and form my own opinions. So far, though, it seems to be same old, same old. She heard the irritation in her voice and had no doubt that he did too. She reached up and touched her fingers to her forehead, vainly trying to press away the headache that was forming. This was all completely pointless. She leaned toward the driver. Excuse me, would you mind pulling over here? The driver did as she asked smoothly crossing two lanes of traffic and gliding up next to the curb. Elizabeth turned to Darcy, smiling with fake brilliance. Well, we gave this a shot, but let's be honest, you and I are just never going to get along. What? You're leaving? Would you mind letting me out? Looking somewhat stunned, Darcy exited the car, holding the door open so she could slide out. 
They'd only travelled a few blocks, she noted with relief. In fifteen minutes, she'd be in her sweatpants, scrolling through her Netflix queue. Dark had fallen, but it was still pretty early. Lots of people bustling around, getting dinner and whatever. She'd be fine walking back. She extended her hand, and Darcy took it, looking wooden. At least we can say we tried, she said briskly. Elizabeth, please don't go. Darcy did not relinquish her hand. I have to. She watched as his face sank from its usual haughty contours into something else. Disappointment. He tried to cover it, but she saw it anyway. And it brought her the memory of the first time he'd asked her out. He hadn't looked disappointed that day. He'd looked confident, assured, having no doubt of her affirmative reply, although he'd mostly told her why she wasn't good enough for him. Even once she said no, he didn't look disappointed. He looked angry. Oddly enough, he'd also told her he was in love with her. Utterly bizarre. But the memory of it was, she supposed, why she had thought a second chance might work. Wrong, 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 Lizzie. She gently tugged her hand away. We should try to be friends, for the sake of Jane and Charles, if nothing else. He's proposing to her on New Year's. Did you know that? Are you in love with him? There was stark pain on Darcy's face now, and it made the awkwardness of the situation that much worse. She quipped. Who? Charles? No, but Jane is. He shook his head, looking down at his feet. Wickham. Wickham? Elizabeth threw back her head and laughed. He must be joking. George Wickham was a friend of Elizabeth's, a new friend. They had dated once or twice, and then George made it clear he wasn't really looking for anything serious because of his financial situation. When I'm with a woman, I need to spoil her, George told her. Really treat her like the queen she is, and I just can't afford to do that right now. Elizabeth knew from Wickham's own stories that he and Darcy had gone to school together. Wickham's father had worked for Darcy's and the two men had been close. So close that when Mr Wickham died, Mr Darcy had promised George he'd take care of him. College, business or law school, a position in the Darcy's company. But George had told her that Darcy had cut him off from all of that at the first opportunity, even going so far as to deplete his college fund. It was part of what made Elizabeth hate Darcy so much. His cruelty to his boyhood friend. No, I'm not in love with Wickham, she said. We're just friends. Before you go, said Darcy hesitantly, I just want to explain a few things to you about him. It won't change my mind, she warned. I understand. I just think you should know some things. The real story of what George Wickham was and was not turned out to be pretty different from what he told her. George had taken a smattering of classes from a state college, Darcy told her. Had zero interest in anything except the sorority girls. When he finally flunked out, he asked me to give him the money my father had invested for his education. He drank his way through half of it, made some bad investments with the rest. A gym, a restaurant, and a medical marijuana business in Colorado are the ones I can remember. There might have been others. He came to me penniless shortly after that, telling me he wanted to start an online supplement business and needed start-up money, which I gave him. That went bust too. When he approached me again about a photography studio, that was it. I told him no more. Elizabeth by this time had grown numb with dismay. Through her distress, she tried a smile. You don't like photography? I like photography, and I'd be happy to invest in a photographer who had some training and showed any modicum of business sense. George was neither. I'm guessing he just wanted to use it to lure pretty girls into dark rooms under the promise of becoming models. Anyway, it infuriated him, and he wanted to get back at me. It seemed that a well-timed bout of insomnia had led Darcy to the horrifying discovery that Georgiana, his fifteen-year-old sister, had been sneaking out of the house to meet George Wickham. She thought she was in love with him, and that he was her boyfriend. Darcy immediately understood that Wickham was trying to get revenge and make some money. A case of chlamydia and a broken heart, Darcy said matter-of-factly, his eyes trained on the sidewalk. Antibiotics took care of the first, and therapy took care of the second. All in all, I was grateful. It could have been a teen pregnancy or some sort of highly publicised legal battle. So you didn't press any charges? He shook his head. No. Right or wrong, I didn't want to make a news story out of her, and she was already so depressed. It really affected her, 
Her grades slipped, and for a while she sort of stopped caring about anything, distanced herself from friends, gained some weight. It was terrible. She's better now. He's terrible, Elizabeth said, feeling the lump in her throat swell. I thought the worst I could accuse him of was having a roving eye, but this is truly well beyond that. He's scum. He is, Darcy agreed. They stood in silence for a moment, the car idling beside them. Elizabeth was beyond merely embarrassed. She was humiliated. She'd been so easily taken in and mortified that a great deal of her lousy opinion of Darcy was based on what she'd been told by a liar. Suddenly, tears threatened in her eyes. This was always her problem. She tended to rely too much on first impressions of people. George had swooped in full of compliments and charm, and Darcy had insulted her the first time they met. She decided... That made George the hero and Darcy the villain, and had proceeded accordingly. For the first time, it made her wonder how much of her contentious history with Darcy was her fault instead of his. I'm sorry, she murmured. I had... I had no idea. They stood in silence for several minutes while people passed by them. A group of teenage boys, one of whom apparently had backpack speakers, went by them playing a song by Tiger. It reminded her of a quote she'd once seen, attributed to the young rapper. It's hard to forget someone who's given you so much to remember. Darcy had definitely given her a lot to remember in the course of their brief acquaintance. Would you like me to have Sam take you home? Darcy asked quietly. I don't suppose you'd care to spend your evening with an idiot, she said with a weak laugh. Darcy didn't return her smile. He reached out, lightly touching her cheek with his gloved thumb. You're not an idiot, he said. George has always been good at making women fall in love with him. I'm not in love with him, she said. I never have been. In fact, I'd love to just forget about him completely. Then Darcy opened the car door. Let's go have that date. He slid into the car after her, and the driver, the soul of discretion, said nothing, proceeding as if nothing had happened. The silence was awkward between them for a few minutes, until she said, So, Bingley didn't tell me anything about our plans tonight, only that it would be a late night. He didn't tell me anything either, he said. Leaning forward, he asked the driver, Sam, where are you taking us? Holiday lights, sir, the man replied. Diker Heights. Diker Heights, Elizabeth exclaimed. That's amazing. Is it? Darcy asked. I've never been. Neither have I. I always wanted to, but you know how it is. Things get busy, and next you know it's January. That's the truth, Darcy acknowledged. Well, a first time for us both. Let's hope it's as amazing as people say it is. Thirty minutes later, Elizabeth found herself pressed close to Darcy amid a throng of people wandering the streets of Diker Heights. It was something extraordinary, to be sure. Each house decorated elaborately and extravagantly with lights and inflatables and any other manner of holiday decoration. The results ranged from elegant to kitschy, but there was an undeniable festive atmosphere around it all. It couldn't be denied that their argument and Darcy's subsequent revelations about Wickham had cast a pall over them. Darcy barely spoke, responding civilly to her attempts at conversation, but with no real warmth. She thought they must look very odd. Walking along, not touching, not speaking, each giving a cursory examination to the houses, but with little true pleasure. As if he'd read her mind, he spoke. Which is your favourite so far? Which house? She considered it a moment. The one with the flamingos. You? Flamingos? Hmm. Well, they weren't ordinary flamingos. They were wearing scarves. That does make all the difference. Darcy chuckled, and though it sounded forced... She appreciated it. Which was yours? The house where the people were handing out kugel and latkes. But I had an early lunch, so it is perhaps a biased opinion. That kugel was the best I've ever tasted. Someone's Bubby's recipe, I'm sure of it. The kind of recipe that's not written down, Darcy added. She just stands over the next generation and shows them how to do it. Exactly, Elizabeth agreed enthusiastically. As if on cue, the car came rolling up next to them. Sam lowered the window. Sir, Mr Bingley has arranged a dinner reservation. Elizabeth offered a tentative smile. Unless the kugel filled you up. Not at all, he said. Let's go. 
From the brink of disaster, it seemed their date had been saved. Darcy was grateful for that much, even if it had left him feeling even more tongue-tied than usual. It was difficult to want something so badly. He'd never found himself in his position before, desperate for a woman to like him, but then again, he'd never had a date with Elizabeth Bennet before. He hoped Bingley had something extraordinary planned for dinner, a cosy little Italian bistro maybe, or a supper club, something where they could both relax, shed the remaining hard feelings, and just talk. Five minutes later, he stood on the sidewalk, his nascent optimism shattered. The restaurant looked like a Christmas village in Bavaria, or what Disney might think a Christmas village in Bavaria looked like. He could only imagine what sort of food might come out of a place like this. Weiner, schnitzel, sauerkraut? Kostlich. Elizabeth looked intrigued. I've never been here. No, Darcy said flatly. We are not eating here. Why not? It looks fun. Fun? The last thing he wanted was some sort of leftover Oktoberfest theme park dinner with her. He wanted romance. Bingley had promised him romance, and this was not romantic. They entered the restaurant, finding it positively festooned with every form of tinsel, lights and bauble that one could imagine. A baby was screaming towards the back of the room, and Darcy thought, Same, kid. Same. It was overwhelming. The flickering lights, the loud, tinny version of Kling Glockchen, which was playing. The smell of sauerkraut and sausage in the air. Evidently, the place was popular. They stood shoulder to shoulder in the small space waiting to be seated. Darcy had never had a panic attack before, but felt certain this might be the place for his first. Let's get out of here. You want to leave? Elizabeth looked up at him. Are you sure? I think it's sort of cute. I admire your spirit, he said with a half smile. I was hoping we could eat somewhere more... romantic, elegant, special, expensive... Quiet. It is pretty loud, she admitted. Let's leave, he urged. Forget Bingley's plan. We could go to the Rainbow Room or something. Somewhere total New York Christmas, but with less kitsch. The Rainbow Room? She looked doubtful. Isn't that... Whatever she thought, she was interrupted by a large, red-faced man wearing a Santa suit sans the beard. Are you Mr. Darcy? He shouted over the music. I am, Darcy acknowledged. I'm afraid we cannot follow me. He turned and began to move through the crowd. Elizabeth threw a little smile up at him, squeezed his arm and said, Let's just go with it. He found himself following her, thinking that if she smiled like that at him often, he'd probably do anything she wanted. The man led them to an old stairway, small and tight, but Darcy was grateful that the music and lights died away as they climbed. They seemed to be leaving the restaurant, not a bad thing, but Darcy was curious about what was going on. Moments later, having climbed at least four flights, they were ushered through another door. Elizabeth halted in her tracks, causing Darcy to collide with her. Both of them gasped. It was a winter wonderland up on the rooftop. Potted Christmas trees formed an enchanted forest in the midst of which was a little gazebo. The gazebo was decorated with candles and lights and contained one small table for two, as well as portable heaters to keep them warm. A waiter stood by the table, ready to welcome them. The large man smiled. Mr. Bingley asked me to make you wait in the foyer just long enough for you to look like you were about to leave. He said it wouldn't take long. Elizabeth laughed, and Darcy sheepishly admitted, Loud music and crowded rooms are not exactly my thing. They were seated and served hot mulled wine, which was delicious. Bingley, via Nicola, had gone so far as to arrange a private menu for them. I suppose we should never have doubted Charles, Elizabeth mused. Jane tells me he's the king of romance. He's doing well for us, Darcy acknowledged. Much better than I could have done, for sure. Elizabeth put her hand in her chin, one elbow on the table. Her eyes shone in the candlelight. I doubt that's true. Properly motivated, I'm sure you'd have done just fine. I think the very fact that I would have wanted it to be perfect would have kept me from making it anything special. I would have just spent a bunch of money without really doing what I wanted to do. What is it you would have really wanted to do? She asked. 
Darcy lowered his gaze to the handwritten menu, which was still beside his appetizer plate. He had creased it, and he used one finger now to idly trace the crease. I think when you're with someone you love, the romance comes from just being in their presence. It doesn't really have anything to do with candles or snow or roaring fires, anything like that. It's just being together. I agree, she said. I think it's just sharing the moment. The two of you in your own little bubble, and feeling like you're so glad it's them and no one else with you in that moment. She paused, and he raised his eyes to see her biting her lip before admitting, I'm happy to be here with you. Even if we had stayed downstairs and eaten Jaeger schnitzel and beer, it would have been romantic, because we'd have laughed at it together. Her words made him catch his breath, and when he exhaled again, he sighed her name. Elizabeth? She waited for him to say something else, so he swallowed and said, I... I'm so glad to be here with you tonight. It was an excellent time for an interruption. He needed to gather his wits again, and so was delighted to see the arrival of the first course. By the time they had been served, he was breathing properly. How are your aunt and uncle? he asked. I enjoyed meeting them. Was that last month already? It was, she said. The day after Thanksgiving, I think. I always go out shopping with them then. I really enjoyed my conversation with your uncle that night. You were so kind to invite us all back to your place for dessert. But you couldn't come, he said. I think there was some emergency with your sister. Lydia. Elizabeth rolled her eyes. Yes, whenever Lydia thinks she's not getting enough attention, she likes to stage an emergency to get the whole family in a flap. Anyway, you were just so, so kind to us all. Did you expect me to be otherwise? Honestly? Yes, I did, she admitted. To be perfectly frank, when I saw you, I expected you to walk by and ignore us. You could have, you know, a few steps to the right and you wouldn't have even passed our table. He met her gaze steadily. Why would I have done that? My aunt and uncle are, well, you know, he does well enough. His car dealership is one of the most profitable in Queen's. That's nothing compared to the businesses you run. But you treated him like you were both the same. We're both the same, Darcy said. Business is business, no matter what the dollar amounts attached to it are. You surprised me, she said. I realised I knew absolutely nothing about you, and what little I believed I knew was completely wrong. It made me want a second chance. He gave her a slight grin. I'm glad, he told her. I'm doing my best to improve on further acquaintance. A light snow had begun to fall over the city by the time they left the restaurant. As Darcy helped her into the car, she wondered if this was it, the end of their near fairy tale date. She found herself hoping it wasn't. Well, Sam? Darcy asked as he entered the car. What next? A carriage ride, sir. Sam replied. Elizabeth hid her little exhale of relief. Mr Bingley was quite insistent that a carriage ride through Central Park be included. By the time they arrived at the carriage ride, however, the light snow had grown more determined, along with an increasingly fierce wind, the kind that threatened of real winter to come. Elizabeth was not about to protest, however, and climbed into the carriage seat, immediately taking cover under the warm blanket. They set off a bit quietly. Darcy tucked into his blanket, and Elizabeth cocooned into hers. If only the wind would die down a little, she said feeling the sting of the snowflakes against her face. Yeah, he said, looking none too happy. Should we ask him to turn around? Let's give it a little longer. Then, on an impulse she didn't dare to examine, she said, maybe if we both snuggled under both blankets it might be better. He turned to look at her, seeming more surprised than she would have expected. After all, he was a hunky billionaire. Didn't women want to climb under his blankets all the time? Then again, she told herself, not so many hours ago, you were almost flinging yourself from the moving car to get away from him. She lifted his blanket and hers and slid close enough that the long length of his thigh was pressed against hers. Then she reached across him, putting her blanket across him, then pulling his blanket across her. The immediate increase in heat was undeniable, especially when he tentatively pulled her into his side with one arm. She snuggled in hoping he knew how much she wanted to be there. 
Elizabeth found herself a little surprised by how talkative Darcy could be. They spoke about family and friends, about Jane and Charles, about how Darcy didn't watch sports very much and Elizabeth did, how both preferred paperbacks to e-readers. Somewhere in the course of things, Elizabeth realised they were holding hands, and that even better, their gloves were removed and his thumb was brushing the skin of her thumb. In the midst of a conversation about favourite travel spots, she found herself wondering what it would be like to fall in love with him. Central Park was strangely deserted, and at length Elizabeth remarked on it. It's weird, isn't it, to be in Central Park and not see all the joggers and tourists and bike riders? I paid them all to stay away, Darcy replied with a little smirk. I was hoping to have you to myself. She laughed, and so you do. But the question is then, what shall you do with me? He looked down at her, and for a moment her own daring failed. She felt the heat of him pressed beside her, a stark contrast to the cold air on her cheeks. He wanted to kiss her. She could sense it in the air between them, that electricity that comes before an earth-shattering kiss. Beneath the blanket, she felt his hand envelop hers, and she tilted her head up, wanting Darcy to know that she wanted to kiss him too. He's unsure of himself. The thought amazed her that she would have him in her power enough that he'd want to kiss her and yet deny himself. He really does love me. The thought of that made her shiver and wonder what it might be like to kiss him. The bow bridge, sir, announced the carriage driver loudly. The disappointment that coursed through her was almost painful in its severity. Bow bridge? What did she care about the bow bridge? She'd been there a million times. She wasn't some tourist. Darcy sounded more baffled than angry when he replied. Ah, the bow bridge? Are we... Should we exit the carriage? Yes, sir, the man said, climbing down from his perch and coming to assist them. Grudgingly, Elizabeth emerged from her blanketed paradise and jumped down. It was rather beautiful, a spot of snowy urban perfection. It served as an ideal backdrop to a veritable multitude of engagement photos and Instagram posts. The place where people come to propose, she said. People who lack imagination, Darcy snorted beside her. How imaginative does a proposal need to be? She looked up at him. Really, all that's required is a simple will you and a ring. Actually, you don't even need the ring. I thought every girl wanted something unique and special, something to tell her friends about so they could all gasp and be amazed, he said. Finding love in and of itself is the unique and special part, Elizabeth said, or so I've always thought. I can't disagree with you there, he said. She felt it again, that tension in the air, the portent of a kiss. The snow had become more lazy, drifting rather than blowing, and surrounding them with the feeling of enchantment. Great spot for a first kiss, she thought. The tourists would be proud. If you were willing, he said, I would love for you to meet my sister. His sister was on his mind. Elizabeth recovered quickly from her surprise. I'd like that too. We could have dinner together, perhaps. Sounds great. How does tomorrow sound? Tomorrow? Unless you're busy, of course, he said immediately. You probably are. Busy, that is. No. She laid her hand on his arm. No, I'm not busy. I was just surprised, that's all. Surprised you wanted to see me again so soon. You are? He shook his head slightly. Elizabeth, if I had it my way, we'd have a date tomorrow, and the next day, and the day after that. Every day after that until... She waited a moment, not breathing, her chest tight with anticipation. Until... Her hand was still on his arm, and he reached for it removing it from his arm and bringing it to his lips, lightly kissing her fingers. Such an old-fashioned gesture might have seemed contrived from another man, but for Darcy, it seemed perfectly natural. Until what we had was no longer considered dating. He murmured, dropping her hand and touching the hair around her face. She touched her tongue to her lips. Tomorrow then, she said. I'm looking forward to it. His eyes fell to her lips, and she thought, now. Do it now. Kiss me. But he didn't. Darcy gestured back to the carriage. Shall we get back in? I'm starting to feel the cold, and I'm sure you must be too. Sweet agony.
He had never understood phrases like that, so common in romance stories until he was actually living it. It was painful, his want for her, but it was also pleasurable because it was the understanding that even if he couldn't have her now, someday he might. Might, because he still wasn't quite sure. The date had progressed from anger to her wanting to leave and then on to her staying, and from there, heaven. They had a second date, and that was when he would kiss her. This date was one that had been forced on her. He realised then that the car had come to a stop in one of the side streets of Manhattan. He leaned to look out the window but couldn't see anything he recognised. Where are we? he asked Sam. A club, sir. One Mr Bingley thought might be a fun way to end the evening. He looked at Elizabeth, his eyebrows raised. I have to admit Bingley has done us well so far, but this doesn't look like any club I've ever seen. Which makes it more appealing in my book. She grinned. Let's go in. They had to descend a few steps before the sidewalk to enter. It proved to be a private club, happily absent of any sort of throbbing techno beat. They were greeted by a host named Nicky, who was wearing leopard print silk pyjamas and black high heels trimmed with marabou. Don't tell me this is the new trend, Darcy shuddered, even as he gave her his name. Of course. Welcome to the slumber party. Come with me. We'll find your outfits in here. They followed her into a small room, shooting each other baffled looks as they went. Inside the room were racks and shelves of new clothes. Mr Bingley has paid your admission fee. It includes the pyjamas, which are yours to keep afterwards. Pyjamas? Elizabeth asked. As you see, we have a wide selection. Nick chirped, gesturing at the wall behind her. Baby dolls, onesies, footsies, nighties, lounge pants, whatever you'd like. I don't think we'll need those, Darcy informed her. Oh, but you have to wear pyjamas, she said cheerfully. It's our dress code. A dress code? Of pyjamas? Yes, she said. And, I should tell you now, despite our theme, this is not a sex club. Pajamas must be worn at all times in private areas and monitored by closed-circuit televisions. Indecency will get you immediate removal. Elizabeth gave him a startled, amused look and mouthed the words sex club, then said aloud, I'm game if you are. To Nikki, she said, White Sherpa onesie, size small. Sherpa onesie? Darcy asked. You got it. Nicky replied. I think we have some tall ones. I'll hook you up. With that, she disappeared behind the curtain into a back room. Darcy sighed. I was asking what it was, not making my selection. Well, I think you'll be delighted with your choice, Elizabeth assured him. Nice and cosy. Ten minutes later, Darcy was incredulous. I look like a tall wad of cotton. Not at all, Elizabeth replied barely smothering her grin. Very dignified, actually. Totally hot, Nicky assured him in a bored tone. Now, let me take you to your table. They entered a dark, cavernous room, dimly lit by some well-placed flameless candles. It was mostly quiet, people lingering over drinks, though in one corner a pillow fight was happening. This is without a doubt the oddest place I've ever been, Darcy announced. Bingley had done well by them, reserving a private space with furry pillows on the floor and velvet curtains to separate them from the rest of the club. Last call is 5am, Nicky told them, gesturing towards the pillows. As I mentioned before, these rooms are monitored. Any attempts at a DIY porn show will result in your rapid removal from the premises. What can I get you to drink? I cannot say enough good things about the hot chocolate experience. It's a flight of five spiked hot chocolates. Want me to hook that up for you? Elizabeth tossed herself down onto the floor pillow. Very comfy, she announced. Join me? How am I supposed to sit in this thing, he grumbled. Do people really sleep this way? I think teenage female people do, Elizabeth said, and then reached for his hand, almost pulling him down beside her. Moments later, Nicky returned. The hot chocolate experience, she announced, setting down five mugs. Nutella? Coconut almond, peanut buttercup, peppermint bark, and salted caramel. Have fun. Elizabeth picked up the mug that Darcy believed was Nutella hot chocolate. A toast to second chances, she announced, taking a sip. 
extremely hot, but delicious. He took the mug from her, sipping cautiously. Agreed, he said. Wonder what kind of booze is in this? I can barely taste it. I sense a whiff of bourbon, Elizabeth replied. But I could be wrong. Almond Joy was likewise delicious, although if you didn't like coconut you'd be in trouble, Darcy decided. It's very coconutty. I love coconut, Elizabeth said. I like to eat it, smell it, the works. I have to admit, Darcy said, I've always liked the coconut-smelling conditioners and such that they make for women. Men always get some sort of woodsy-smelling shampoo. That's right. It's like women want to be on the beach while people assume men want to be permanently in Colorado or something. Exactly, somewhere where we can stomp through the woods looking manly in red plaid. Elizabeth laughed, then picked up another cup of hot chocolate. She took a little sip and made a face, quickly setting it down. Gross. This one tastes awful. What's in that one? The peanut butter. Mental note. Peanut butter and booze do not mix. I think I need another swig of the Nutella one to cleanse my palate, she complained. Oh, I'm sorry, Darcy said. I just drank the rest of it. Give me a minute. I'll order another one. Not necessary. She shook her head. Her eyes locked onto his and she leaned into him. When she put her hand against his chest, his brain bleated out one word into his conscious. Kiss. And then it happened. Her lips on his. Too fast, she was pulling away from him. Don't go, he said, already a little breathless. He cupped the back of her head and kissed her again, deepening the kiss. A clattering sound surprised them both. The mug, which had contained the Nutella hot chocolate, had fallen and rolled away. Elizabeth moved quickly to pick it up. Then, looking at him, she moved the rest of the mugs to the side. He hoped he was correct in his understanding of her invitation and took her into his arms. He'd dreamt of this moment for months now, but reality was so much better. Holding her tight against him, tasting her, touching her, and feeling her touch him too. It was too tempting to be laying in a mass of pillows with a woman he loved. Instinct drove him to lay her down and to slide on top of her, to trail kisses onto her neck and lower. But it was her fault, and something he would tease her about for years to come, that they got kicked out. Caught up in the moment like he was, she slid down the zipper of his onesie. It was hardly scandalous, just enough so that she could slide her hands inside and touch his chest, but apparently it was too much for Nicky. I'm sorry, she said, giving them a rueful smile. We can't allow it. It escalates too quickly, and then the next we know... DIY porn? Darcy asked soberly, making Elizabeth, sitting red-faced beside him, laugh. Exactly, said Nicky. Just give us a minute to put our clothes back on, Darcy said. I'll promise we'll go quietly. One year later. You know I got charged for that, right? Bingley asked. No, you did? Elizabeth asked. The two couples were strolling the streets of Diker Heights, enjoying the lights. How much? Darcy asked. Two fifty, said Bingley, in an aggrieved tone. It's a very strict club. Well, it'll give you something to think about next time you want to offer up my dating services for Yankee Swap, Darcy informed him. Hey, Elizabeth protested, snuggling tighter under Darcy's arm. You better not, or if you do, just make sure I know which present it is first, because he's all mine. Though it had been a year, hearing her say things like that still caused the same happy thrill to go through him. All mine. Yes, indeed. He was all hers, and he was hoping that by the end of this night, she'd be all his too. Jane and Bingley had been married a few weeks prior, on the 26th of November, and had recently returned from their honeymoon. Darcy had pressed them into service immediately, setting into action a plan he had been developing since August. It was hard to believe it was nearly upon them, just a few more houses down. Wonder what's wrong with that one? Elizabeth pointed to a smaller, more modest-looking house that was completely dark. Maybe they just don't decorate. I think the neighbours make a covenant, Bingley opined. All of this brings a lot to the shopkeepers, so it's in everyone's interest to keep it going. Be that as it may, said Elizabeth. They don't have any lights. The house was fenced in with a low stone wall and wrought iron fencing. 
and Elizabeth moved closer, turning her back on the rest of them and almost pressing her face to the fence to better see the house. They have the lights, she reported. They just aren't turned on. I wonder if they know. Maybe a fuse blew or... <gasps> oh! The lights had come on suddenly, dancing, flickering and illuminating things to the beat of an old song he'd always particularly liked and imagined she would too. Smokey Robinson singing about how in love he was and that if his girl loved him too, it would be Christmas every day. Right on cue, Elizabeth enthused without turning around. Oh, I love this song. Quietly, Jane reached into her bag, withdrawing her camera and stepping backwards to frame her shot. Bingley raised his phone to his face, pressing the record button as the passers-by on the street began to gather, looking curiously at Darcy, who had dropped to one knee on the sidewalk. As Elizabeth watched the lights on the house, a marquee which ran along the roofline but had been previously dark lit up. At first, it showed no more than a series of symbols, a tree, a snowflake, a snowman, and then hearts. Then came the words, Dearest, loveliest Elizabeth, I love you so much. Please say you will marry me. Elizabeth gasped, turning around to find him with a ring in his hand. This year we've had together has been the best year of my life, he said. I want to make your whole life feel like the holidays, every day better than the one before it. I love you more than words can say. Will you marry me? Her eyes shone as she covered her mouth with her mittened hands and walked to him, helping him stand. Yes, she said to the cheers of the gathered crowd. Forever and always, yes.